We got more transfer portal talk. We've got recruiting talk with the great Parker Thune of OU Insider at 247 Sports and 94.7 The Ref and Norman coming on the show today. So we got all the info coming your way here on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref. And Norman, Josh, the transfer portal is continuingly heating up, but we also got recruiting. So much to talk about tonight. So much to talk about, and there's nobody better to bring into the show, to bring into the fold. Let's welcome in the man, the myth, the legend. You know him, Sooner fans, Parker Thune of OU Insider 24-7 Sports. Parker, man, this is, uh, I don't know if it's the Super Bowl month for you, but this is uh, busy, busy times with the transfer portal, with the early signing period coming up. Just first and foremost, how are you doing with uh, everything going on right now? Man, I, I'm good. I, I, I've told several people this thus far this week. I think this has been the busiest few days since the coaching search last year for me. But that said, anything in comparison to the coaching search is a breeze. So having been through that hellscape of a week, uh, I'm pretty pretty well prepared to take on the challenges and navigate the peaks and valleys of what a wild and chaotic week of transfer portal activity this has been. Yeah. And it's, and transfer portal now just provides tons of surprises. It seems like it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving in the giving season, but the kind of the, the first surprise for Oklahoma was that Austin Stogner getting crystal balled to the Sooners by yourself, by Brandon drum, your colleague over there at OU, at OU insider. How did that all come to come to be? Yeah. Well, how about that? Um, I had a hunch as soon as I saw his name pop up in the 24-7 sports transfer portal. And after a few conversations with folks that have knowledge of that situation, uh, that hunch was kind of confirmed. And that hunch leads me to believe that he's going to be back in Norman for his fifth year of college football, his last year of eligibility. And in talking to a source on the South Carolina end, actually, what I was told is, look, that guy may be a Gamecock right now or might have been a Gamecock this past season, but his heart's always been at Oklahoma. And there are other schools involved for Austin Stogner. I will say that much. It's not as if this is a lock, stock, and barrel, boom, he's coming right back to OU type of thing, but just – based on the sum of the conversations that I've had with people regarding Austin Stogner, people whom uh, I trust and have legit firsthand knowledge of that whole ordeal. I very much believe that he's going to be Oklahoma's portal tight end. And I believe he's going to make his way back to Norman and play the 2023 season, his last at the collegiate level as a Sooner. Well, with that in mind, if and when that does come to pass, (laughs) with Austin Stogner, given what Oklahoma has on the roster at the tight end position, what would that mean 
for the Sooners going into 2023? Well, I'll, I'll say this much, and people need to understand the context for this statement. Uh, I think Austin Stogner can do what Braden Willis did in 2022 and then some, and that's not a dig at Braden Willis at all because he is a tremendous football player, but I don't know that folks understand or recall just how dominant a healthy and correctly utilized Austin Stogner is. You want to see Austin Stogner at his peak? Rewind to the 2020 Red River showdown and the touchdown catch that he had in the first overtime of that football game. Rewind to the Texas Tech game in Lubbock in 2020 and the touchdown catch that he made in that contest. When Austin Stogner is healthy and when he's properly utilized within the greater context of an offensive scheme, as I believe he will be, in Jeff Levy's scheme at Oklahoma, he is utterly dominant. There's a reason why he was as highly regarded of a recruit as he was. Some considered him to be the top tight end in that 2019 signing class that obviously brought such an elite upper echelon to Oklahoma. So many of those guys have now transferred elsewhere. How interesting is it that there's one guy now, one member of that class that's on the verge of transferring back in Austin Stogner. So I really do believe that if he is a Sooner next year, he is the guy at the tight end position. I think that's a great situation for everybody involved because rather than splitting reps, splitting time with Lee Morris, Braden Willis, Jeremiah Hall, what have you, Austin Stogner finally gets the chance to be the guy at Oklahoma, which is really all he ever wanted. It really is. And beyond that, it gives Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn another year. They don't have to have everything thrown on them as redshirt freshmen, but they can take a year to learn under an experienced guy like Austin Stogner. I imagine he'll be a fantastic uh, role model and mentor for Cade McIntyre as well, who's going to be joining the room. So it takes the pressure off of those younger guys and it allows Austin Stogner to be the guy in the offense at the tight end position. And I think that could lead to a productive boom for him in OU's offense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Braden Willis had seven touchdowns this year. I mean, he was one of their better playmakers uh, in the passing game. And then you take a guy like Austin Stogner and give him a full complement of tight end reps. Like you mentioned, just not having a split time. We saw what that did for Braden Willis. It could definitely do the same thing for Stogner. If, in, you know, if he's able to maintain a healthy season for the Susaners continuing with the passing game, it looks like Oklahoma is really targeting wide receivers. I mean, we've already seen the offer to Robert Thomas, Dante Cephas. What do you make of those two? And are there other names that maybe Oklahoma is might be interested in that are in the transfer portal right now? Yeah, well, I, I will say this. I think the names you need to get to know are I, – I, I don't think Dante Cephas is coming to Oklahoma. I think he ends up at either Colorado or Penn State, based on what I've heard to this point. The names I would get to know uh, are Dorian Singer – the Arizona transfer uh, who led the Pac-12 in receiving this past season with 1,105 yards and six touchdowns, as well as Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech. Uh, those are two guys worth watching uh, as this whole process starts to unfold for Oklahoma. Not to say that either of those guys end up at Oklahoma or that is the extent of the list, uh, but I, I would be surprised if you get more than one portal receiver in Norman because – uh, to me, it just feels like they only they don't have much need for an additional guy beyond that. I think if you take one and you look at this room top to bottom, especially if Marvin Mims comes back, you feel really good about the depth, certainly. Uh, and even with Brian Darby and Trayvon West out the door via the transfer portal, 
even with the decommitment of Anthony Evans. There's still a ton of quality depth there. You got DJ Graham making that transition. He'll be playing wide receiver on a full-time basis come next fall. Um, there's a ton of potential on an individual level and on a collective level within that receiving core. And I don't feel like you need to overstock it uh, if you're Oklahoma right now. So I would say one portal receiver will probably suffice. And what about one player out of the portal that's not strictly a wide receiver but has some running back-like qualities too? Would uh, Oklahoma oh. potentially be in the market for a Devo Samuel-ish type college player? Yeah, now I tell you what. If that player to whom you're referring, Josh um, – well, I shouldn't say if because he is, he is in the portal. I will be very curious to see whether his older brother – gets in the portal as well, because we're referring to Braylon Presley, for those of you that haven't picked up on the former four-star athlete out of Bixby, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State expatriate as of yesterday. Look, I'm not breaking any news when I say the kid wants to be a Sooner, has wanted to be a Sooner. If he is a take at Oklahoma, and I expect he will be, that process will be over very quickly, I would imagine. And I will be intrigued to see if his older brother follows suit because they are very, very close. And that situation at Oklahoma State, if you've been paying attention to everything that's gone down over the last 48 hours, it's not getting any prettier. And so to me, Braylon Presley is the type of kid that you make room for, especially if you can bring his brother along in the sidecar. And I, I talked about only bringing in one portal receiver. Well, those plans may change if you get not only a Braylon Presley, but a Brennan Presley on the market for Oklahoma. So I will be very, very curious to see the outcome of that situation and how things develop between Oklahoma and Braylon Presley. And we're going to have more to talk about. And there's another brother combination that we want to ask Parker about as well on the other side of this. But first, Josh is going to talk to us about LinkedIn. You're looking to make the perfect hire. You don't want to screw this thing up. And it's easy if you just go on over to LinkedIn Jobs. They're going to make it easier for you to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. It's simple. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs, you find the candidate you want to talk to faster. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So there's Parker, a bunch of other names that we have to hit on just individually, but I'm curious, a, I don't know if you call it a macro question, big picture type question for Oklahoma. So as this month is taking shape and obviously signing days, the, the, I shouldn't say signing day, the early signing period is, Oh, so close. Right. And we mix that with the transfer portal. What is the focus of Oklahoma's coaching staff in your mind? Is it equal parts transfer portal? Is it more the 2023 signing class? How is, I guess, big picture Oklahoma attacking a month like this now and maybe into the future? Well, I think they're striking a healthy balance, Josh, because you can't put all your eggs in one basket these days with regard to traditional recruiting and the transfer portal, because in today's day and age in college football, everybody's going to have portal turnover year to year. And for Oklahoma, what you're starting to see with Brent Venables and the staff is that they are separating the wheat from the chaff, 
right? They are weeding out the guys that are just not going to crack it at Oklahoma and guys that for their sake and for the program's sake need to go elsewhere. There have been 16 portal entrants from the Oklahoma roster uh, to this point in 72 hours since the portal opened. And the reason why is because a lot of those guys, virtually without exception, Theo Weiss obviously is one guy that the staff would like to keep around, but it, it, it befit him to pursue a change of scenery for a lot of reasons. But the overwhelming majority of these guys were guys that were processed. And you have to have healthy roster turnover when you're in a situation like Oklahoma's where you're coming off a disappointing season. You got a lot of dead weight on the roster and you got a coaching staff that now has a sense of not only who can play and who can't, but who's bought in and who's not. And I think that kind of fed into what in hindsight were some unrealistic expectations for this team heading into the 2022 campaign, because we probably didn't acknowledge or reconcile with the fact that Venables and his staff weren't going to be able to turn over the roster to the extent that they needed to and to make the proper evaluations there too in the span of eight months heading into the 2022 season. But now they get that opportunity after watching these guys on the field for 12 games in the fall, as well as seeing them in practice every single day over that period of time and getting the chance to evaluate the film and take stock of the hand that they've been dealt. And now they can take that hand and replace some of the proverbial cards with ones that have been handpicked from the top of the deck. Right. Um, and so there is a heavy emphasis on the portal as there needs to be, because you're going to need some plug and play guys for next year. But at the same time, if you want to be able to maintain continuity year to year, at least when it comes to your nucleus, your core of contributors, you're going to have to build this thing from the ground up. And you have to do that with traditional high school recruiting and guys that are committed to being a part of the system and being in the program for three, four, five years at a time. And so it's a process, but my expectation is over the next three to four cycles, what you're going to see is a gradual decrease in the amount of portal guys that Oklahoma takes because there's going to be a gradual decrease in the amount of portal guys that Oklahoma needs to take to sustain this roster's viability. All right, so one more portal question before we turn to the 2023 recruiting class. What's a position that you look at with this roster that you think they need to go after? Is it linebacker, offensive line, defensive back? What's out there for you that you think, okay, Oklahoma's got to do something to add depth here? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, there hasn't been a ton of buzz yet regarding any individual targets on the defensive line for Oklahoma. And on from a certain, from one perspective, from one angle, that's somewhat surprising to me because Oklahoma has lost a lot especially on the interior defensive line. Jalen Redmond's not coming back. Josh Ellison just hit the portal. You lost a couple young guys in Alton Tarver and Cedric Roberts to the portal as well. Uh, you're going to need depth there. You're going to need bodies, and you're going to need guys that are capable of playing and playing immediately. But on the other hand, here's the thing. As I think back to what this staff did in the portal last winter, I think of a couple guys in particular, Daniel Parker and McCade Mattire, who when they committed to Oklahoma, it was out of the blue, out of nowhere. There had been no indication before that time that they were even on the radar for OU and then boom, they're committed. So I will, I will say this, 
I'm willing to bet that especially as it pertains to the defensive line, this staff has a couple things up their sleeve. They got a couple things lined up that nobody knows about and that they're not going to let anybody know about until they become official. I trust just knowing the way that this staff operates and they're a couple names that jump to the top of my head, and I'm not going to say those names because they're not in the portal yet, but there are a couple names that jump to mind where I, as I've had the chance to process it more and more and think about uh, the conversations that I've had with sources surrounding some of the names that might be available and Oklahoma's respective relationships with some of those individuals. I get the sense that in a couple of weeks, this is all going to make a whole lot more sense than it does right now, because there are plenty of people asking, why isn't Oklahoma making defensive line more of a priority? And I don't have a great answer to that question right now. But again, that just leads me to believe that knowing the way that this staff operates, they know plenty of things that they're not going to let anybody else know or tip their hand at all. And so I trust that Oklahoma's coaching staff has a couple of splashes planned as far as the defensive line is concerned. Might I be dead wrong? Sure. But that's the sense I'm increasingly beginning to get because I don't understand and I can't figure out in my head why else it would make sense that there has been so little talk about the defensive line unless there was something big on the precipice. No, it makes sense. It makes sense just given, you know, if we're fair about it, the lack of production across the board uh, at times for Oklahoma this past season and obviously what uh, the turnover looks like there. Uh, one more transfer portal question, if, if I may, Parker, before we move on to just the 23 class itself you and may. closing and flip, flip, flip a Sunorama here. The uh, offensive line, is there a name or two to keep an eye on up front right there? I mean, is that a transfer portal uh, position of need for Oklahoma? How do you feel about that for the Sooners? Let me give you a couple. Uh, and these are the two that I've heard thrown around most frequently and most prominently over the last 48, 72 hours. Uh, Javion Cohen, formerly of Alabama, and Keandre Jones, formerly of Auburn. Now, I will say Oklahoma's pursuing the top junior college offensive tackle in the country right now, Keyshawn Blackstock. They're in his top 12, which, you know, it's a top 12. But at the same time, there's a lot of reason to believe that Oklahoma's very high on the list for Keyshawn Blackstock. I think what they do in the portal is going to be largely dependent upon whether or not they get Blackstock. I think there's going to be one portal take along the offensive line if you do get him. But if he goes elsewhere, I think you get two. And the names I would get acquainted with, if you haven't already and you're a Sooner fan, Javion Cohen, Keandre Jones. There you have it. Offensive line is a priority. The Oklahoma Sooners have plans. We'll just see how it all shakes out. I mean, it's portal season. It's an exciting time. It's a fun time. But we got to talk about 2023 recruiting as well. But first, we're going to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, soccer, esports. Bet Online has you covered. It, again, the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, get in on all the college football playoff action, the bowl season, World Cup action. It's right there for you at Bet Online. Again, Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, Parker, 2023 recruiting, early signing period, just we're within a couple of weeks of that now. National signing day, we're within a couple of months of that. So the big questions that really everybody wants to ask are about guys like David Hicks, 
Peyton Bowen, you know, it's, it, there's been, there's been buzz nonstop about these two guys. Even after Hicks committed, nobody seemed to kind of lay off like, Hey, there still might be a chance. So kind of what's your sense as the early signing period comes? I think one time we talked about Hicks and you didn't really expect him to commit until the all American game. Um, I, I think that's something we might've talked about last spring or early summer or something like that. So kind of what's your sense on where those two stand right now with Oklahoma? Look, I, I've effectively given up on trying to figure out the outcome of the DJ Hicks recruitment because I don't know, man, there are, there are so many interests at play there. And when you factor into account the, uh, how do I, how do I put this delicately? The investments portfolio that is going to be on the table for him from any and all schools that are recruiting him here down the stretch. A- anytime money is involved, things get very sticky. And we all saw this on September 28th right, when he was supposed to commit to Oklahoma, woke up that morning with the intent of committing to Oklahoma. And then in the seven hours in between, everything changed and he ended up pledging to Texas A&M. Um, so I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know because I don't. I don't think anybody knows right now. And ultimately, I think there are, and I will say this, I I don't know if the kids' interests are the only interests that are going to factor into the eventual decision. And moreover, uh, you've already been burned once if you're an Oklahoma fan. So here's what I would recommend. Understand that, yes, DJ Hicks, Visited Oklahoma officially last month. Yes, DJ Hicks is telling a lot of people around him all the right things about Oklahoma. And he's saying a lot of the right things to the Oklahoma staff as well. But you already got fooled once. Oklahoma already got fooled once. So you have to take everything with several grains of salt at this point. So understand that the buzz is real. There is a chance that Oklahoma ends up with DJ Hicks on signing day and also understand that you should have no such expectations because it's not worth getting over the moon excited about all over again, only to watch the Sooners get left at the altar a second time. So I think there's a healthy balance to strike there. Yeah. Oklahoma's still in this thing. No, I'm not necessarily expecting that he's going to put pen to paper for the Sooners on December 21st or whenever he does sign. What about a final full court press for the aforementioned Bowen? Where does Oklahoma sit? Where do they stand in your mind uh, in that recruitment? God, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make me say something that fires up the entire Notre Dame fan base all over again, Josh. <laughs> I, I look, I I've made my feelings on this recruitment clear for probably six seven months at this point. I believe the road leads to Oklahoma for Bowen. And there are so many reasons why it makes so much sense for him to be a sooner from the relationship with Jackson Arnold, to the relationship with Brandon Hall to the immediacy of his potential contribution at Oklahoma to the all important girlfriend factor, <laughs> right? It's just, it, I I've never had any credible reason to doubt that Peyton Bowen wasn't going to be a sooner in the end dating as far back as honestly 
March. March was when I began to realize for the first time that, oh, not only is this thing real between Oklahoma and Peyton Bowen, no, he's he's going to end up at Oklahoma if things continue along their current trajectory. And they have. Oklahoma did an in-home with him yesterday, Wednesday. And my expectation is that this flip happens. I don't know when. I'm I, much like the whole Hicks situation as a whole. As far as Bowen's timeline, I'm done trying to figure out when. I just know that we're two weeks from the end of the site. We're two weeks from the day that he's supposed to be signing. And if he doesn't end up signing with OU, I and a lot of other folks are going to be very, very surprised because you talk to anybody around Denton, anybody that knows things in and out at Geyer, anybody that knows the Bowens and knows the nature of that recruitment and how things have transpired over the last few months, everybody will tell you the exact same thing. And it's that Peyton Bowen's going to be a sooner. So that's my belief. That's a lot of people's belief behind the scenes. And I will add this. If and when Peyton Bowen flips to Oklahoma, you will see me drop the fastest crystal ball of all time for his younger brother, Eli, the four-star defensive back in the class of 2024. Well, there you go. Speaking of brothers, let's talk Let's talk about uh, Day McCullough because that was one that kind of came out of the blue Um what was it? Monday morning. I think I, I first saw y'all's crystal ball, or, you know, Steve and you and Brandon all dropping crystal balls for Dan McCullough. So, you know, originally committed to Indiana, his dad goes to Notre Dame. He then flips and commits to Cincinnati, but it seems like the recruitment's open all over again. And Oklahoma's the front runner for that. I would consider them the heavy front runner and uh, keep in mind that, the word behind the scenes is that those two are absolutely going to play together. Deshaun, the older brother who's currently at Indiana and day, the four star safety, who, as you mentioned, is committed to Cincinnati. Those two are going to play together somewhere. I would be very surprised if it isn't Oklahoma right now. And the relationship between Delan McCullough, their father and Jay Valai has been part of the driving force, the primary driving force behind Oklahoma's recruitment of those two people need to understand as well that yeah, Damon Cole is going to be a nice add to this 2023 class for Oklahoma. If he ends up committing, but Deshaun McCullough, as far as the cheetah position, which is what he will play at Oklahoma. Oh, really? I legitimately do not know if there is a single player on the market right now in the transfer portal, or that will be on the market in the transfer portal. That is a better fit and has a higher ceiling as the Cheetah and Brent Venables defense than Deshaun McCullough. That guy's probably going to be a freshman All-American, and he's the type of player that could very realistically spend two years at Oklahoma and then be a first-round NFL draft pick. He is that good, and he is an instant starter the second he steps on campus at Oklahoma, if indeed Oklahoma ends up the school that he commits to. Any other names that we haven't asked about i don't know flip uh late surprise in the signing class doesn't necessarily have to be a flip maybe a name that uh isn't committed to oklahoma yet that sooner fans over these next couple of weeks and i don't know maybe even into the actual uh what used to be the original signing day into the spring what are some names that we haven't who are some names that we haven't talked about yet to keep an eye on yeah well i I believe that Oklahoma ends up with Tessilia Kana, 
the four-star linebacker out of the state of Utah and have believed that for quite some time. Uh, he's a top 100 player in the 24-7 sports composite. Very versatile athlete whom I believe will end up at Cheetah at Oklahoma. That's kind of their initial design on where he will play. Uh, OU did an in-home with him on Monday, and it seems to be down to the Sooners, Texas, and LSU in that recruitment. I've favored Oklahoma for a long time. And again, uh, the very first thing I was told about Akana's relationship with the new staff at Oklahoma is that that's going to be a Brent Venables recruitment. Venables will be the one running point for OU and Venables gets his guy way more often than not. So I'm going to trust that he gets his guy into Celia Akana. And there's a lot of belief behind the scenes that uh, that's ultimately the school he ends up picking is Oklahoma. Um, I'd also keep a close eye on three-star athlete and Kansas State commit Jordan Allen. That's a flip that could very much come to fruition for Oklahoma. I'll also add this. There's a brand-new offer today. Three-star edge rusher Quincy Rhodes out of Little Rock, Arkansas. He's committed to the Razorbacks. He's six foot seven and 255 pounds, so big, big body that could either play traditional defensive end or you could beef him up and you could move him inside, but just a massive massive prospect and i th- to me that feels like insurance for eno etta the four-star michigan commit that oklahoma's been trying to flip for close to a month now if that doesn't end up happening i will say there are people around etta people that know that recruitment and know the kid that believe he will end up following through and signing with michigan despite the interest from ou and miami uh, if etta does sign with michigan uh, i would expect oklahoma to make a very strong push for Quincy Rhodes, especially if they can convince him to wait until February to sign. Uh, And they will be doing an in-home with him today. So that's one to have on your radar down the stretch as well. I'm trying to think, is there anybody that I'm leaving out? And Speaking of Arkansas, um, Micah Tease, where's that at? Man, I'm conflicted on that one because, look – the kid's a lifelong Sooner fan. He wanted to be a Sooner, but he also wanted to play wide receiver, and that was kind of where he fell out originally with the OU staff. He's committed to Arkansas, has been committed to Arkansas since the 4th of July. Um, the door kind of opened, or rather reopened, when Anthony Evans flipped to Georgia a couple weeks back. And at that point, it became apparent that, hey, there may be a path for Micah Tease to play wide receiver at Oklahoma. I'll be honest, there hasn't been as much buzz surrounding Oklahoma and Micah Tease as I expected to this point. Now, that's not to say that things aren't going to heat up down the stretch between OU and Tease. And I think in his heart of hearts, he'd still prefer to be a Sooner. But you also got to keep in mind that OU staff and LD Washington uh, really have only pursued him as a backup plan, and that's going to mean something to a kid as well. So I I don't know what the outcome there ends up being, but I think it will become apparent probably within the next week, week and a half, whether it's a legitimate possibility that Oklahoma gets his signature on December 21st or if he just sticks it out for, with Arkansas despite the late interest from Oklahoma. John probably has a, a couple of more recruiting questions i'm curious as well parker before we get you out of here where are you at just with oklahoma 
as a whole, right? I mean, obviously we've got the transfer portal and signing day that, uh, folks, if you're not subscribed, by the way, to OU Insider, just spend the money. I mean, come on, go over to OU Insider, subscribe where you can get all of the, the VIP access from Parker, who is busting his tail for you, 365 Sooner fans, bringing you uh, as close of access to the recruiting side as you're going to get anywhere in Sooner football land. But uh, just the actual landscape that we find ourselves with Oklahoma football. Do you have a couple of names that, I mean, it doesn't have to be 2023 guys, doesn't have to be 2022 signees. Who's going to take that next big leap for Oklahoma in your mind going into next season? And just generally speaking, what are your expectations? You said earlier in this uh, podcast that you felt like maybe we had a little bit too lofty of expectations. I think that's probably obvious for us all to look back and say now. So where are those expectations at for you going into next year? Yeah, well, I think it depends on what the roster looks like. And again, I think to illustrate my point about the expectations being too lofty in hindsight, you don't have to look any further than the portal exodus, right? No program that is where it needs to be in terms of quality depth and overall median talent level is processing 15 dudes in the offseason. That can't be the norm at Oklahoma if you're trying to build a sustainable championship program. And obviously, it's it shouldn't be the expectation that things were going to be any different for Brent Venables after year one because that's the hand he was dealt. But I do expect that as OU turns this roster over, uh, man, things are going to get better for this program. And I'm not saying they win a national championship in year two, but what I am saying is we should see them return to where they've been the last couple of years, which is in contention for or playing in a conference championship and making an appearance in a New Year's Six Bowl. That would be my expectation. If the requisite moves that I believe will be made are made this offseason, I will say as it pertains to individual players, there are two that I think you got to convince to come back next year if you want to feel real good uh, about your team as a whole if you're an Oklahoma fan. One is Marvin Mims on the offensive side of the ball just because he's he's the best wide receiver you got, and that's no knock on anybody else, but he's just he he's the type of guy where if he runs it back and he puts together a consistent season of tape where he starts to mitigate some of the issues that he's had with drops uh, and he continues to be the downfield threat that he reemerged as down the stretch in 2022, he could put himself in the first-round conversation, and I think that's part of the case that Oklahoma can make to – bring Marvin Mims back for an additional year. The other guy and flipping over to the other side of the football, I think you really got to push very hard to get CJ Colden back in 2023. And Woody Washington, it looks like is going to return, which is awesome for this program because he was very close to declaring for the NFL last year. And so there was a question as to whether he was going to come back in 2022. I don't think anybody anticipated that he'd be returning in 2023, but that appears to be on the table for Woody. If you bring back CJ Colden and you can convince him to put off his NFL dreams for one more season to try and bolster his draft stock, then you got a pair of lockdown corners, guys. You got the best cornerback duo that you've had at the University of Oklahoma in a long time. I'm talking years, maybe over a decade since you had two guys on the outside that you had as much confidence in as Woody Washington and CJ Colden. And moreover, if your secondary consists of Washington 
Billy Bowman, CJ Colden, and I mean, take your pick. Robert Spears Jennings, Key Lawrence, portal guy to be named later. You're feeling good about the secondary. It's been a while since you could legitimately feel good about the secondary in Norman. All right, Parker, just a couple rapid fire questions before we get out of here. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel, is he coming back? Will Ashwood and Coach Mack want to know? Yes, I have no reason to think otherwise. Uh, now, this one is one that um, I feel like is a little close to home because back in 2020, you predicted that Caleb Williams would be taking the starting quarterback job from Spencer Rattler in 2021. So we got to run it back there, Parker. In uh, 2023, is there a chance that Jackson Arnold takes the starting quarterback job from Dylan Gabriel? Yes, there is. I I would not lay my neck down and predict that it happens the way that I did with Caleb and Spencer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and I, I think there's, I mean, there's all kinds of circumstances that could come up that lead to that, not just, you know, performance on the field. So um, anyway, one question I had, and this kind of can be our final one here percentage of the current commits that will sign with Oklahoma. I, I, I kind of feel like there's, there's like a angle I'm missing here. It kind of feels like, is, is this, is this a trick question? I no, no, I, I just know, want to know. know like, like, do, you, I, do you feel like really confident that the, the group that they've got committed right now is going to be in Norman either in the spring or in the summer? Yes. I would say, if not 100% of the current commits sign, it's going to be very, very close to 100%. Maybe you'll lose one at the most two, but right now there's nobody in this class that I worry about decommitting imminently. So with two weeks now until early signing day and the vast majority of this class set to sign on early signing day and enroll in January, I feel pretty good about Oklahoma keeping this class together. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, you lost Vasic, you lost Evans. Those two had some extenuating circumstances that led them to flip somewhere else. The rest of the guys, it just seems like they want to play for Oklahoma and for Brent Venables and, or for Jeff Levy. Like there, there seems to be a, a little bit tighter connection. At least that's the sense that I get having you support that. Uh, one final question here, and I'm going to, I asked this on Twitter earlier today, and I'm going to pose it to you. Who's the player, aside from Jackson Arnold, in the 23 class that you're most looking forward to watching as an Oklahoma Sooner? Uh, I, it's, I have a special place in my heart for both of these guys because they're two of my favorite recruits I've ever covered, but I'm stoked to see what Caden Green does in an OU uniform, and I'm stoked to see what P.J. Adabare does in an OU uniform. And I think Caden's in the two deep next year at Oklahoma and is a starter by year two. Uh, he's that good. And I think PJ will be playing a lot of snaps next fall because when people get the chance to see that guy in action, they're going to understand why he's a five-star if they don't already. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Josh, I'll pose the same question to you. I'm just going to, I mean, just going to copycat Parker. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> got to be PJ, right? And I hope it is because for Oklahoma's sake, man, I've been uh, Parker right here on this program. It's, a momentum creator is the the phrasing that I've been using and Oklahoma needs that, right? They've had that guy in the past. I know that uh, not saying that PJ is anything like, you know, these guys particularly, but Oklahoma's had that one pass rusher 
even even on defenses that weren't necessarily particularly great, they've had one guy, right, that you could you felt like you could depend upon to go get seven and a half, eight sacks in a season. So I'm hoping that uh, PJ could be very, very disruptive very, very quickly. Yeah, well, you heard Brent Venables call our Mason Thomas hell on wheels earlier this fall. Well, <laughs> you think our Mason Thomas is hell on wheels? Wait till you see PJ in action. You got hell on wheels times two in Crimson and Cream. Can't wait. My guys are kind of more under the radar. Our friend Joshua Bates, he probably won't play much in 2023, but I just, I'm just excited to see him on the field at some point. And then the guy that'll probably take a lot of practice reps across from him, and that's Ashton Sanders. From what I saw just watching his huddle, man, I like his game a lot. And so that the, those two guys, I think it'll be a lot of fun uh, in, in the Crimson and Cream. I think there'll be a lot of fan favorites there. But Parker, man, it's always a blast having you on. We always get so much insight um, from you. And, and again, like Josh mentioned earlier, go to OU Insider. Subscribe for the VIP access. Get all kinds of information, like especially during the season when, you, when you're wondering, okay, which recruits are going to be coming to Norman for a game? Like, Brandon and Parker, they put that list together and they get you covered. Like you get to know, okay, so-and-so is going to be here for Bedlam. They get you all the access, all the information over there with the OU VIP or sorry, OU Insider VIP account. So make sure you go do that. Also go listen to Parker from noon to what are you now? Noon to what? Noon to three. Noon to three. Okay. Cause sometimes it's noon to three. Sometimes you got something going with Tyler. It's hard to keep track of your schedule a little bit, but you're always busy. So go check that out over on 94.7 The Ref, our friends over at 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Uh, and make sure you follow them at Parker Thune on Twitter as well, because you already do. I don't need to tell you that. You already do. But uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, Parker, thanks so much for coming on. Until next time, we're going to continue to talk recruiting and transfer portal stuff because there's always something popping up every day. There's somebody getting into the portal or there's somebody getting crystal balled to Oklahoma. And so we'll have that for you on Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Parker Thune, he's Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.